2: As their news is still reverberating through sports. Of course, Belichick parting ways with the Patriots. Saban is retiring. Those two jobs, New England and Alabama, both need to be filled. These are all big stories. But we look ahead to Super Wild Card Weekend, Perloff, and there's a lot of players and coaches who could stand to gain a lot yeah. in the next two days.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the high-profile game, because of the history and the fact that the Cowboys – Cowboys, Packers, can you imagine Jordan Love? People have started to notice this last month, but if oh, yeah. Jordan Love wins this game in Dallas, he's there already. He's at star status. I and mean, even if they lost the following round, I think coming in the next year, he would be the guy. We love the next guy. Mm-hmm. And I think Jordan Love is shaping up to be the next guy following in Aaron Rodgers' footsteps. A win in Dallas. He would all of a sudden, just like that, become the hottest guy in the entire NFL. There are other young quarterbacks. I mean, C.J. Stroud's been great. Sure. But if he beats Cleveland, it's nothing like Jordan Love beating the Cowboys.
2: Also, C.J. Stroud's a rookie, so this all feels like found money, you know? Yeah, For yeah them, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, Houston, look at that. You've got something cooking here, and it looks like C.J. Stroud's the real deal. But rookies go into the playoffs the lo- the bar's so low anyway. Yeah. I agree with you about Jordan Love. It feels sometimes like it's his rookie year. It's not. He's been in the league for 3 years already and so this is this would be um unbelievable for him, right? To win in Dallas, you're right. I got someone else for you though. And it is another youngish quarterback but he's been around now for a while. Can you imagine if Tua goes into Kansas City? and beats the Chiefs in a game that's supposed to be 30 degrees below zero. Now, just coming out of my mouth, I'm like, man, that's going to be hard. But if Tua and the Dolphins pull off this upset, I think Tua's the one guy who is really on the cusp here of which way is his career going to go. He stayed healthy, which was the number one thing you wanted to see from him. But does anyone believe he's like a $200 million quarterback? I don't know how many people are there with with Tua in this massive contract. So winning this game in Kansas City, proving you can play in the cold weather, so many things are at stake.
3: But if they're going to win, that means that Tua is going to hand the ball off to hopefully Mostert an yeah. and HN every time. He's not going to do – there's Doesn't no matter. way they can win. So you're saying, okay, I got to be honest. If Tua wins this game, I don't understand how the spread is still 45 I would be so shocked that I can't even wrap my head around this. L- <laughs> Little Tua from Hawaii going into minus thirty degree wind chill in Kansas City. I just don't. I can't understand how he could do this. You, you're probably right because my brain's not computing it.
2: Well, listen, it's a four point spread, four four and a half. I mean, that's that's not.
3: Yeah, I know. Big I know. I know, and for I don't the understand it. Super
2: Bowl champs.
3: Uh, we had an interesting discussion. Does the cold weather make this a closer game or a further game? I think for. Buffalo Pittsburgh so to get a little off topic. Buffalo Pittsburgh feels like the cold weather is make the teams more yep. even because the wind's taking them out of this. But I feel like Miami and Kansas city on a neutral field. I would love to his chances in this game. So it's really, you're saying it's really about him defying the weather.
2: Yeah. I think it's about him defying the weather. I mean, you're always dealing with this when you're the Miami yeah. dolphins, because your record has been terrible in cold weather and you're always going to be fighting against that. Um, you know, just your reputation is that you can't play in cold weather to go in and play what we think might be, what'd you say, the third coldest?
3: Yeah, I mean, only the the famous ice ball, Packers and Cowboys, and then the famous 81 AFC title game, Bengals and Chargers. This is third.
2: That's crazy. And if Tua was able to win, and even if he's handing the ball off, which would be smart, I mean, even if you're just handing the ball off, if you're not throwing interceptions, like, you're the quarterback, you're going to get a lot of credit here, even if you're not necessarily – the the one leading the charge and then you go on from there and you know if the bills win you could be playing I believe you would play Buffalo next I gotta double check that but it's it would be something for two it'd be it'd be pretty wild and again he's right there where the the organization has to make a decision on what kind of contract they're gonna offer him
3: uh yeah no that's be a huge win for him there's funny too I'm looking if you want to lean on HN and Mostert in the running game yeah isn't most? I was thinking about. I'm like, Moster feels like a real. Isn't he a surfer off the coast of Florida? He's from Florida. <laughs> yeah. HN is from, of course, deep Texas. Yeah. Uh, they don't feel like cold weather guys either. Everything. Maybe it's a, a aqua uniforms, the dolphin blue uniforms. I just cannot wrap my head around them playing. Well, in this cold weather. Now, they did... What was the the playoff game last year where Skylar Thompson was a Dolphin starter and they went played buff. How cold was it? That's what I was trying to remember.
2: It was not, like, historic. Nothing like that. I don't think it was even that bad. It's just the game was at night.
3: Yeah, so but they fared well, okay? The weather didn't kill them in that game. So maybe this team is a little tougher than we think.
2: I'm sorry. The Dolphins are the sixth seed. So if they win this game, then they would face the Ravens, right? Um, Because they'd be the lowest seed remaining. Well, unless the... Unless the Steelers win.
3: Unless the Steelers win. Right.
2: They're right about that. Let, let's dive more into the weather uh, as we're talking about who's got the most to gain this weekend. 855 cbs 855 Because let's tell you exactly what we're talking about in case you haven't been paying attention here. And I would totally understand why. Because everyone's got their own life. 30 degree, minus 30 degree with wind chill is what's expected for Kansas City. It's supposed to be about 3 degrees at kickoff. And then in Buffalo, they're looking at what they're calling a weather event. So seven inches of snow is possible because it's a regular day that ends in Y in Buffalo, New York. But 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts is what could be on the menu for that 1 o'clock Eastern start. You talk about an equalizer. You completely neutralize both quarterbacks' arms. When you have a 50-mile-an-hour yep, win, yep. you completely take out the kicking game. How, how, how could you? You wouldn't even attempt a point after if you have a 50-mile-an-hour win. Yeah. It, it'd be silly. So, I think that the 10-point spreader, I think it actually came down to about 9 between Buffalo and and Pittsburgh, this is shaping up really well for Pittsburgh because you, the one thing that Pittsburgh has been able to do consistently through all the ups and downs of this season, they've been able to run the ball. When they have a commitment to the run, mm. they've been able to run. And I think the Bills are missing, might be missing a starting linebacker. This could be a real place where Pittsburgh could find. Yeah. The uh, find a, an advantage,
3: but last week they played in a snow game against Baltimore. They had six fumbles. <laughs> Jalen Warren could not, and this is going to be a similar issue. That was issue rain, to, though. That was rain slash snow, right? It was it was ugly. Winter mix, yeah. but I feel like Jalen Warren did not exactly show toughness in that situation for the Steelers. I mean, you hold on to the ball when your season's on the line. I'm not sure. And Najee Harris, if you know the Steelers are going to run, I feel like the Bills can stack stack the box against here. I'm sorry, the Steelers do not scare me. They're my Super Bowl team. And that, to me, if they win, it'd be by by so far away the biggest shock of the weekend. To go to Buffalo... I'm telling uh,
2: you, with 50-mile-an-hour wins, I think it becomes more of a coin-toss game.
3: Them, Yeah, but it's by far the biggest spread. It, I mean, if we come in here and Pittsburgh won on Monday, I think NFL Nation would be totally surprised.
2: 855-212-4CBS. Ramon is in Indianapolis, wants to talk about the the weather yeah
4: happy new hadn't talked to you guys in a while appreciate that i love hearing this being a, a native area from the chicago area that's what we live for those southern teams never could come to Chicago and win until the last few years under these organizations we have, but it's a great thing. I want to see it happen. Uh, I just was debating with my brother. He figured, well, everybody can play in cold, and and you're right. The the information shows that under 40 degrees, especially dome teams, they never have a problem. I've lived in in Indianapolis for a while, and Peyton Manning struggled in the cold. You know from watching him when he was up in New England and struggled up there, and plus, is Tua just getting treated bad because Justin Herbert got his money, and yeah. he can't made the playoffs one time and look real bad this year and kind of regressed? And I bet you that uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to get his too, and he regressed. So let's give Tua a little bit more love. Thanks, taking my call.
2: Ramon, thank you so much. I mean, I think you're right about. I think Tua probably would have gotten paid if not for all the injuries last year, the concussions, like Justin Herbert and Tua, same draft class, same with Joe Burrow. He got paid. Herbert got paid. I think he's right that Trevor Lawrence is going to get paid. I think it was just about Tua staying healthy, and he's done that.
3: Yeah, it's a big if, though. I mean, he did last, but last year was one of the ugliest series of injuries we've ever seen when he went into the fencers pose on the concussion. The size is a big deal. It just doesn't feel like Justin, Justin Herbert and Tua are the same. Same to me. If if he did sign for two hundred million, I'd understand the logic. But just my eyeballing, he doesn't feel like a two hundred million dollar quarterback. Am I am I off here?
2: Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. I mean, you've really hitched your wagon to Tua, though. If you're Miami, unless this is all BS and all the positivity around Tua. I I, I mean, he had a fantastic season. By in terms of stats, yeah. like he, he was incredible. So I think he is getting that money and winning in in Kansas City, bump it up by an extra, I don't know, 25, 30 mil.
3: Yeah. I mean, it stinks for the Dolphins. There's no middle class, you have no choice but to make everybody the highest paid quarterback. <laughs>
2: Welcome and, to the NFL. You
3: know, he, by the way, if he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, he th- actually last week against the Bills, I thought the receivers dropped two of passes all over the place. He barely misses if you give him any time.
2: Coming up next, we're gonna dive deeper into Bill Belichick. Where is he headed? A man who knows him very well wrote the book about Bill Belichick. Ian O'Connor is award-winning author. He joins us next to talk about all things built. Don't move. Maggie and Pearl off CBS Sports Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can
1: well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
3: welcome back to maggie and perloff what a week maggie i feel like we're still dealing with the tremors of nick saban Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick leaving. It's hard to wrap your head around that. These guys will not be in the same place next year.
2: Crazy. And especially because as far as Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, they still want to coach. Yeah, we they they want to continue when it comes to Belichick uh, and what happened in his future. We welcome in Ian O'Connor. He's an award-winning journalist, of course, but also wrote the book uh, Belichick, the making of the greatest football coach of all time. And Ian, thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you?
5: good for having me maggie and andrew
2: appreciate it so i saw you tweet this yesterday the patriots will regret firing bill belichick why do you think they'll regret this move
5: well actually that was a little bit of a spoof of myself uh since i wrote a column back in 2000 saying that the patriots would regret hiring belichick (laughs) after he walked out on the jets the way he did after 24 hours as head coach so i've been haunted by that and reminded of that for the last 20 years so (laughs) I was just having a little fun there at my expense. But I wouldn't be surprised if Bill is successful somewhere else. He's still a very good coach. He just is not a very good personnel guy. And I think as long as he allows his new employer to put a general manager in place, I suspect that he'll be back in the playoffs and maybe giving himself a chance to win another Super Bowl. But I think the one thing that is critical here is basically he has to go – to me where there is already a franchise quarterback in place, or at least a quarterback who has the potential to be a franchise player. And I think he needs to be very careful about uh, which team and which organization he chooses in that context.
3: So, for example, if he had a choice between the Chargers and the Falcons, you would strongly recommend the Chargers?
5: I would. I, I, I know the Falcons. The one thing the Falcons gives him is a fairly manageable road back to the playoffs. Remember. For most of his career in the AFC East, and I I talked to a lot of head coaches in the NFL who often complained about this, is that Bill was getting a buy into the tournament almost every year. And I think the NFC South, if you look at it, he might see it the same way. And maybe not to that extreme, but close enough. So, okay, we can draft a quarterback with the eighth pick and Desmond Ritter might not be my guy, but I can get my guy in there pretty quickly, develop that player. But if I'm Arthur Blank, or any owner really I want to know who is your offensive coordinator is Josh McDaniels coming with you because it seems to me that just as much as Parcells needed Belichick by his side to win a couple of Super Bowls I think Belichick really needs McDaniels or someone of that quality to be his offensive coordinator
2: you know Connors joining us wrote a book about Bill Belichick called Belichick the making of the greatest football coach of all time he's an award-winning journalist so how many suitors do you think will really be after Bill? You just mentioned it'd be better in your opinion for him to go someplace with an established quarterback. Those jobs don't open that often. Do you think there's gonna be like a clamoring for Bill or is it gonna be one or two teams?
5: I think a clamoring, Maggie's probably a little strong. I think two to three teams very interested, uh, maybe a couple of teams will kick the tires on it, not thinking they really have a chance at him or want to really just overdue or just have a complete overhaul of of their organization to fit Bill into their, into their structure. So I think it will be very serious with him and, and listen, he could still coach. I think there's no question about that. If you look at, and I understand that uh, people often say this about losing teams and losing coaches, but they were playing hard for him at the end of the season. For the most part, his defense, he could still coach defense. Offensively is a problem. And I think the league offensively has passed him by to some extent. And that's why he needs help on that side of the ball. And as long as he has that, I think he'll do fine wherever he goes.
3: Ian, what is it that makes Bill Belichick the greatest coach or one of the greatest coaches of all time? Like, what does he bring to a team? Is it X's and O's? Is it culture? Is it all of that?
5: Yeah, I think it's all of that. I think his attention to detail and the way he practiced situational football was better than – any anyone else in the league, and I think he brought a military ethos from the Naval Academy. Growing up around that academy, seeing his father coach there for many years, I think that was part of it as well as the way he coached Tom Brady, uh, arguably the greatest.
2: Up, oh, Ian, his Zoom froze. You know, maybe we should do this. Why don't we just grab Ian on the phone? Maybe he can call back. Try to do the Zoom because the YouTube and Twitch audience, but maybe best off. Just on the phone. Uh, we'll get that back up.
3: Yeah, that's so funny. The I'm curious to hear, uh, hear what he was going to say. C- coaching Tom Brady made Bill Belichick a greatest coach. Because everyone says, oh, he had Brady. But that's interesting. To me, I think one of the keys was that Brady said, all right, go ahead. Coach me as hard as you want. Then all the other players are like, well, he's yelling at Brady. He can yell at anybody.
2: I think Brady, the ultimate chip on the shoulder guy, right? Yeah. The pick 199, you know, had to fight for his job at Michigan. Pick 199. Yeah. Never felt comfortable, and I've heard some players say this about Belichick: like always, he always had everyone really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I get that. I, I think when even people, Tom Brady, right? Even Tom, yeah, and especially Tom. And I think I think Tom Brady, to his credit, thrived in that kind of atmosphere. Like he, you know, I think he got Belichick got the best out of him by t- touching those right buttons and pushing him.
3: Uh, I think the great quarterbacks want to get the great players want to get coached, so that worked out very well.
2: 855 two All right, we're going to get E our number. Andrew Bogish is here. He's got some headlines as we're going to spin some plates here.
0: Uh, guys, my favorite part of this is it might have been completely unnecessary. I want to be here in Eugene for as
1: long as Eugene will have me. This place has everything that I could possibly ever want. There's a little bit of a problem in society today with people looking for what's next and where where there's an opportunity and the reality is you know the grass is not always greener in fact
5: the grass is damn green in eugene
0: maybe it is but do we know if dan lanning's love letter to oregon yesterday was was really needed like did alabama actually offer him the job or could i make this same video going i'm good here this grass <laughs> is fine i don't want to be alabama's head coach either
2: well, now he's set the bar because if you are anyone linked to the Alabama job at all, you got to put a video out if you're going to stay <laughs> because Lanning did it. So now you've got to do it.
3: Except I think the other coaches actually do want to go to Alabama. Kalen DeBoer <laughs> yes. is not putting out any video till he gets that offer.
2: That is true. Dan Lanning also smoking a cigar at the end of the video is a pretty... Pretty cool-looking video. Uh, all right, Bogus, stand by just for one second, if you don't mind. We've got Ian O'Connor back on the phone. He's the author of Belichick, the making of the greatest football coach of all time. We were talking about, Ian, what separates Bill and what really makes him, in your opinion, the greatest coach of all time?
5: Yeah, I think the attention to detail was off the charts. I think the practice situation of football more than any coach in the league, I think the way he coached Tom Brady was huge in how it impacted the rest of that roster because he coached Brady as if he were a middle-of-the-roster player. And I have a scene in my book where uh, Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth are at their very first meeting as Patriots at the beginning of the 2007 season, and Belichick is absolutely teeing off on Brady for mistakes he made in the 2006 AFC Championship game against the Colts, just reaming him out in front of the entire team with video And Moss and Stallworth look at each other like, oh, my God, he's coaching Tom Brady like this. What's he going to do to us? So that really was a consistent theme throughout my research and talking to so many players over the years is the way he coached Brady and how that impacted them. And they realized there were no sacred cows on the roster. And and that was a fairly big part of their success, that Brady was willing to accept his coaching like that. For the better part of 20 years.
2: You know, Ian, it almost seems like Brady should be the one who gets the credit for that. And, you know, when the dynasties end, you always have people fighting for credit. How much do you think Brady's Super Bowl in Tampa motivates Bill Belichick to have a great second act?
5: Oh, I think uh, no question, Maggie. That's a motivator here. And and that's why I think he needs to make sure his quarterback is in place when he goes to that next organization. I just think that's so critical for him, just given what he went through after Brady in New England. But there's no question. It's not something he's ever going to admit for public consumption. But the fact that Brady won one without him, boy, he would really love to do the same thing without, without Brady. No question about it. But I, I do think you can't separate that partnership when you're doling out credit. Belichick built that entire system around Brady, and he was smart enough to draft him. People forget that. People think it was just luck. No, they they did look at Brady. They examined him. Dick Rabine with the Patriots was really high on Brady. and, And Belichick ultimately listened to him and drafted him, and he deserves credit for that and for developing a guy who could barely get on the field for most of his career at Michigan into the greatest quarterback and maybe player of all time. And also deserves credit for keeping that relationship together for 20 years. So I know we focused a lot on the divorce, and I'm as guilty as that as anyone. But I think the fact that they stayed together at that level for so long, Belichick deserves some credit for that as well.
2: Ian, do you think the criticism though Belichick that we've heard lately is fair when people go back over his record as a Cleveland Browns head coach and his record without Tom Brady and just how stark different it is? Do you think it's fair to criti- criticize Belichick because those numbers are so lopsided?
5: Yeah, sure. It's fair. I think you should also remember that he went eleven and five with Vinny Testaverde in Cleveland, beat Parcells in the playoffs—the one good year he had there. He also went eleven and five with Matt Castle. He had a winning record one year with Mac Jones. So I, I think there is some areas there you can look at and say, okay, he did have some success with other quarterbacks. But if John Wooden didn't have Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton, if Phil Jackson didn't have Michael Jordan and and Shaq and Kobe and Pippen. Uh, the one year Phil Jackson always beat the Knicks in the playoffs. The one year he didn't have Michael Jordan, guess what? The Knicks beat him in the playoffs. It's just the way it is. Great coaches need great players to bring out their own greatness. And I think to to really knock Belichick because he had Tom Brady for all of his championships is really missing the point because of the things I mentioned earlier. He drafted him. He developed him. He kept him there for 20 years. He built the system around him. and And for those reasons – Despite his record without Brady, I still think he's the greatest NFL coach of all time.
3: Ian, real quick, we're up against a break in a moment. But I have a question. Why does Bill Belichick want to keep going where his buddy Nick Saban is retiring? What's motivating uh, Bill right now?
5: Good question, Andrew. I, I don't think he has many hobbies in his life. I, I think he's got golf. He's, he's on Nantucket in, in his boat a little bit. But outside of that, he knows he was put on this planet to coach football, and to win football games and he once said he'll never be marv levy and coach into his 70s but here we are <laughs> turned 72 and i think he just realizes this is his life's mission and he's healthy he's youthful so he'll continue on
2: Ian know connor's author of belichick the making of the greatest football coach of all time ian thank you so much for the time you're also you're currently writing a book about aaron Rodgers, his first season in new mm. york Wow, do you have a lot of material? Probably not what you thought, though.
5: Yeah, and a lot of material I didn't really want to get into at the <laughs> end of the book, but unfortunately, uh, that's where I'm at.
2: This is all going to end with Ian O'Connor, like somehow infiltrating QAnon. Anyway, Ian, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
5: All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.
2: <laughs> yes. You set out to write a book about Aaron Rodgers' first yeah. season in New York. Four snaps in. He takes, he tears yeah. his Achilles, and then. Dot, dot, dot.
3: Right. You you gave the treatment for the book to your publishers. Like, this is going to be the book. And this is not going <laughs> to look like
0: the preseason treatment at all.
2: Andrew Bogish headlines. Giddy up.
0: Part two. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the last reports out of Tuscaloosa say Kalen DeBoer from Washington and Mike Norvell from FSU might be the leading candidates uh, to replace Nick Saban there. The Eagles, they've been tired Now they're hurt too. Jalen Hurts dislocating a finger in their latest dud Sunday's loss at the Giants. He says it was a mistake to go back into that game after the injury, but things are progressing well towards Monday night in Tampa Bay. Yeah, just going out
6: there and, um, giving my best and doing my best. I told you it was a day-by-day thing and, um, you know, getting, getting the preparation in this week, doing everything that I can, um, to to lead the guys.
0: Eagles wide out A.J. Brown still dealing with that knee injury, but Devontae Smith expects to play after missing Week 18 with an ankle trouble, and corner Darius Slay should be back from mid-December knee surgery. Packers corner Jair Alexander's questionable, but expected to play Sunday in Dallas after twisting his ankle in practice on Wednesday. Buck Celtics was fun for a few minutes last night. Lillard going to fire up another
4: three, and he drills it from straight on. Dane with his third three-ball of the night. And there is a timeout from Boston. Right now, Joe
6: Missoula is trying to figure out a way
4: to stop the buzzsaw from continuing to churn toward his
0: team. Dave Kane on Bucks Radio. Missoula never figured it out. His team was down 37 at halftime. They lost 135 102. Not only did TNT switch off this game, but it was so out of hand that we got an appearance from Thanassis. I the coupon? Giannis's brother. Getting a roster spot might be the only sports scam bigger than Pete's unlimited vacation days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow,
2: pal! And listen, if you make the schedule, you get unlimited vacation. And I guess
0: if you're Giannis, you pick roster spots, and Thanasis gets to chill in a Bucks uniform.
2: You know the team that drafted Thanasis? Um, That'd be your New York Knicks. They're not my oh, New York no. <laughs> Knicks. <laughs> Kidding. Um, it's good to be the brother of the most important athlete in the city.
0: Yeah. It's really good
2: franchise. Besides what Kareem,
0: uh, my brother, my parents, everybody left me down. There was no nepotism in my family. You got nothing. I got nothing.
2: Yeah, I me mean neither. People uh, ask me sometimes, like, "Am I related to Jim Gray?" I'm like, "Man, I wish I was. This thing would have been way easier." <laughs> Out of uh. I,
0: I've
2: been like, you know, Jim Gray interviewing, you know, Pete Rose, and I'm in the background. I would have loved that.
0: You'd be you know, allowed an MSG probably if Jim was your dad.
2: Maybe probably be sitting courts. I'd be taking foul shots for them. (laughs) No, I'm not related to Jim gray, but I, I wish I was simply for the nepotism,
0: uh, the Yankees in new outfielder, Juan Soto avoided arbitration yesterday with a $31 million agreement for the coming season. That is the largest arbitration avoiding deal ever. One mil more than Shohei got for the angels last season for the first time since January 20th of 2011, Santa Clara has beaten Gonzaga. The Broncos sneaking past the 23rd Rang Zag 77-76 on a hoop with four seconds left. Number 24 FAU used two free throws with less than a second left to win at Tulane 85-84. Guys, back to you.
2: Andrew Bogish, thank you so much. We go right into our next guest who won a national champion chip as the offensive coordinator for Alabama coached obviously under Nick Saban which is one of the reasons just one of the reasons why we wanted to talk with him this morning and that is Mike Loxley who is the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins coach thanks so much for getting up for us this morning how are you
6: no problem, Maggie. I've been up actually on the road recruiting. So. Yeah. What am I been talking? To, yeah,
2: I'm talking to a head football coach. You you, you guys don't sleep. We know that. Um, first off, uh, Coach, were you surprised by Sabin's retirement?
6: Definitely, like most of of, of us. Uh, you know, I stay in pretty close contact with the Coach, and actually spoke with him the day before he retired, and uh, really caught me off guard because I know he was working hard the day before and called me on some some personal matters in terms of hirings and stuff through the coalition that he's on the board with and uh to see that happen the next day really was surprising
3: coach what do you think (laughs) do you think something changed at the last minute it was an impetuous decision or do you think he just didn't tell you
6: no i mean anybody that knows coach knows that uh you know he, he puts a lot of thought into any decision he makes um you know that's one of those ones when you know, you do make it, you keep it pretty close to the vest, and I think that's what he was able to do. And he, he went out the way he, he chose to go out.
2: Mike Loxley is joining us. He's the head coach, uh, head football coach, of me, of the Maryland Terrapins. He's a former Nick Saban assistant coach, getting a little uh, of what it's like to coach under Nick Saban. You guys won a national championship together in 2017 i i got to assume there's kind of got to be a former bama assistant text thread or something coach i mean <laughs> what's been the talk amongst you know all the high profile former bama assistants over the last 24 hours
6: yeah it's a pretty uh close-knit uh fraternity because you know when you had opportunity to work for him for coach there at alabama um you you go through a lot together and uh we definitely communicated. Uh, it caught us all off guard. Um, you know, no one could have said, hey, I knew it was coming. But that is so typical of Coach because, you know, he, he has it all planned out. He does it the way he thinks is best to to help, whether it's moving the program forward. Um, you know, don't know what went into the decision other than I respect it. And, you know, now he can get his flowers.
3: Coach, I was looking at some of the sort of coaching staffs when you were in Alabama from 2016 to 2018. How many head coaches were you in that building with? It's incredible what uh, Coach Saban did. You were sitting around talking to future NFL coaches and tons of college coaches. Do you look back at that staff and just uh, in awe of how much talent was in the
6: room? You know, the the three years I spent, you know, under coach and and the the, the different coaches that that were on our staffs, and, you know, obviously it's been well talked about the amount of turnover that that he has because people want to hire guys that come out of a successful program like Bama. But to see him be able to continue to uh, bring in that type of talent as a coach is is very similar to what you see he's done as players. And, you know, he finds a way to help uh, players and coaches create value for themselves. And I know he did that for me.
2: Mike Loxley is joining us. He's the head football coach of the Maryland Terrapins. He's a former Nick Saban assistant, won a national championship as the offensive coordinator in 2017. What do you think, Coach, was was Coach Saban's finest moment that you got to witness as a as a, him as the head coach and you as his offensive coordinator?
6: You know, obviously for me, it, it would go back to the 2017 season, the second and 26th national championship game against Georgia. Um, to me, it kind of sums up. Uh, the The career of coach uh, he makes a tough decision at half to the bench a guy that's twenty six and two uh, He puts a freshman in there that goes in and executes uh enough to win a national championship as a true freshman um to me that 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 kind of summarized for me the time I spent with him that would have been probably one of the moments that I think stands out for me.
2: Do you remember what the conversation was like? Can you give us a little? you know, of what that moment was like when Saban said, Jalen Hurts, take a seat, Tua, you're in for the national title, everything on the line.
6: Yeah, again, no one is surprised by these types of decisions. You know, he's one of the few people that that has the ability and the balls to make a decision like <laughs> that. It's not like it was his first time. You know, you think back to the year prior uh, to the 2016 Natty where he named Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, before that game. Um not not surprised by those types of decisions. And if you're in the room with him, you know that he's always planning and thinking ahead.
3: You know, Coach Saban uh, in an interview said that the sport has changed and the, the schedule was grinding him down. Uh, when you look at your job now compared to what it was with five years ago with the transfer portal and NIL, is everything more difficult?
6: There's no doubt that things are more difficult. Um, it's the landscape, but, you know, one of the things that I learned being undercoach is you better adjust or get left behind. And, you know, all of us go through it. All of us have dealt with the new landscape. Um, I think because of the time I spent at Bama, a lot of us that have spent time there are probably a little more well-versed and equipped to handle it because we were trained under the uh, the greatest coach in college football uh, to always have a plan. And I think like everybody else, it definitely has changed. It's definitely more difficult. Uh, But you know what? So what now? What?
2: Yeah, Mike Loxley, the head football coach, Marilyn Terrapin's joining us just for another moment, coach. I mean, you talk about big shoes to fill. I mean, there might be none bigger. And for the next head coach at Alabama, you know, this is going to be a unique opportunity. Is do you think listen, would it be better to go outside the program in some ways? Or do you believe that Saban, who is said he's going to have a hand in picking the next coach, do you think it makes more sense to try to bring in someone who has institutional knowledge of the program?
6: You well, know, that's tough for me to say. You know, I'm sitting here as the head coach of Maryland. I think it's probably not uh, up to me to to make decisions like that or to, to comment on those that type of thing. But I would say this, uh, Greg Byrne and, and the people there at Alabama, the supporters and the powers that be there, uh, are really smart people. I think they know and haven't seen what he's been able to do over the last 18 years there the consistency of the program. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel. So I don't necessarily think you can't go outside. It's just a matter of whoever they do decide to hire, uh, embracing the standard, the culture that's kind of in place and then putting your personality on it.
2: Coach, can I ask you one other question outside of Sabin and, uh, and thank you again for the time this morning. I know you're very busy. Um, you know, you are from Washington DC proper, right? And you have made your career uh, mostly around that area. Caleb Williams is from the DC area. I got to believe he's one of the best football players to come out of that area in quite a long time. Can you give us like, you know, did you scout Caleb Williams? Can you give us any kind of institutional knowledge about what this young man is like?
6: Uh, Of course I scouted Caleb Williams. Unfortunately, you know, I was coming into Maryland at a time when he was leaving high school where I was selling a, a vision of what I wanted Maryland to become. And, you know, where he was, obviously, Maryland didn't sit because he was looking to be in a program that would give him a chance to compete for championships and platform that allowed him to put himself in a position he's done. And, again, uh, I know his dad, Carl, very well. I know Caleb very well. Um, you know, they both – This the plan that they had for him um, seems like it's coming to fruition. There's no doubt a talented quarterback. There's no doubt, you know, as a ninth grader he won the, 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 the league championship on a – Hail Mary, the kid has won throughout every level of his life, from youth football all the way up, and been successful. So, not surprising.
2: Coach, I got to tell you, I went to GW, which did not have any football. My best friend went to Maryland. I've gone to so many Maryland Terrapins <laughs> football games. It is an incredible atmosphere. It is such a special place, Maryland. And, um, you know, congratulations on the success you've had and, and wish you future success there, because it is very unique spot, and it is awesome. <laughs>
6: Appreciate it, Maggie. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: Thank you, Coach Mike Loxley. PG County, man. You cannot replicate that. I was saying Caleb Williams, best best well, athlete you, out of there it's for a while, right? Do you
3: count um, uh, where Iverson and those guys and Vic are from? Newport News. Is that considered no. a D.C.? No, How far that's away
2: Virginia. is that? Virginia.
3: Yeah, but so all Virginia and D.C., it's not that far.
2: No, that's not the D.C. area. I'm Kevin Durant's from the D.C. area.
3: Kevin Durant's.
2: He's yeah. from PG County. Because <laughs> if
3: you get Newport News, then you get Vic and Iverson. And...
2: No, 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 no. That's like the mid-Atlantic. But if you're talking hey, about it's D.C. It's not like it's a,
3: okay, it's not that far away. D.C.,
2: Maryland, I know it's Virginia, Del Mar. Well, you're talking area. to a guy who
3: counts Penn State as part of Philadelphia <laughs> proper. And that's three and a half hours away.
2: No, I that's, that's different. That's Virginia. Meanwhile, someone else who's from Virginia, Hampton, Virginia, to be specific, is Gerard Mayo. And he has just been named the new head coach of the New England Patriots. This is breaking news right now from Adam Schefter. They are reporting that Gerard Mayo is the new head coach for the New England Patriots. He will supplant Bill Belichick. There you go. This is not surprising. So we got some information yesterday about the structure of the contract that Gerard Mayo had signed with the New England Patriots. Apparently, Perloff, there is a loophole where if you go to the NFL and you tell them before the season starts, this is our succession plan, here's who we want to Mm. uh, take over for the head coach who's the incumbent, you do not have to satisfy the Rooney rule. So you. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I didn't know it either until I read about it yesterday. So if this language exists, again, before the season starts, if you know, hey, we're going to pass the torch from this guy to this guy, they don't necessarily have to have another contract in place, but it has to be written, this is going to be our next head coach. Now, you don't have to necessarily honor it. You could always break that, and you could – like the Patriots could have had that language in Mayo's contract, which they did, and they still could have broken it and gone on to interview Vrabel and blah, blah. But you have to open up then to – uh, multiple minority candidates that you would have to hire, uh, interview, Part You know, me.
3: everything now in the Belichick press conference, uh, what Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick said, they kept talking about, we plan this. Like, I was, I thought it was weird, the we language that Belichick was using. So I think that Belichick is kind of, kind of engineered this in a way. Don't you think that that makes a lot of sense?
2: Listen, I think that Belichick. I don't think he necessarily wanted to leave, though. So I think he maybe wanted Gerard Mayo to take over for him, but maybe not right now.
0: (laughs)
3: Right.
2: So, yeah, I mean, listen, the story goes, Gerard Mayo retired and got into business, was not really planning to be a coach, but he was someone who Belichick saw something in. This is a guy who came into a team that had established stars and became a captain in his second year with the Patriots. I mean, he has leadership qualities, so Belichick was the one who kind of convinced him to come on the staff.
3: Yeah, uh there was it's we'll get more into it but there was a negative story about him yeah was which wild. was out of nowhere because you never heard anything but great things about him until this year yeah I just uh I'm a little worried because you have me worried because you keep saying the coaching tree has not worked out for bill belichick and that's where they're going
2: well I mean that's just the facts right the belichick assistants have really disappointed by uh foreign law uh For the most part now, granted, maybe that's because we're comparing them to Belichick like Bill O'Brien didn't actually have a bad tenure in Houston. They made the playoffs multiple times. It was because of totally extenuating circumstances that he ended up becoming the general manager. That was because the other general manager had a personal issue with his wife, right? That he had to step away. Yeah. And so, you know, Bill O'Brien kind of got thrown into all of a sudden now he's drafting Mm. players. I mean, giving them contracts. That was not what he was hired to do.
3: Yeah, I don't know if Bill Bryan was that successful. I feel like Deshaun Watson got him to the playoffs a couple times.
2: I know, beat my Bills. Um, okay, so that's the big news is Gerard Mayo is now officially taking over for Bill Belichick. We've got a lot more reaction for you in just moments. Don't move Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio.
3: All right, let's take a look at who's got home field advantage this weekend in our NCAA basketball preview sponsored by Fairfield by Marriott. Fairfield by Marriott is the official hotel partner of the NCAA. With over 1,000 locations around the country, you'll always have the home field advantage. Visit fairfield.marriott.com to book your stay. All right, Saturday, we got number three, Kansas, going against number nine, Oklahoma at Allen Fieldhouse, where the Jayhawks are undefeated at 8-0. Tip-off scheduled for 2 p.m. Eastern. Playoff time, which means it's just around the corner where we're going to have to do a cram session on college basketball I watched my first game the other day and <laughs> yeah. then I tuned in last night. Speaking of, we just had the Maryland coach, Michigan and Maryland. Michigan's awful at basketball now. How on earth did that happen? <laughs> well they're they've six had a and lot eleven.
2: Issues with the head coach. You know, unfortunately Juwan Howard's been dealing with some health issues and stuff like that. So Yeah,
3: it is a weird year. And every time Bogus comes in, another top five team has fallen. So uh college basketball is wild, but you got Kansas and Oklahoma this weekend.
2: Very good. Major, major news going on right now in the NFL. The day after the Patriots make it official, they're parting ways with Bill Belichick. They are now tabbing Gerard Mayo to take over. It's Adam Schefter and now others who have the news. So basically before like the, uh, (laughs) you know, the, the, the press conference was cleaned up on Belichick and Kraft yesterday, you know, sharing all these niceties. The Patriots waste no time in hiring Gerard Mayo. Again, the reason they're able to do this is there's a clause in Mayo's contract that he was going to take the torch from Belichick. It was written in before the season, and that way they don't have to open up the hiring uh, to everyone. Also, Gerard Mayo is a minority candidate, so it already would satisfy the Rooney rule.
3: You know, if you're a Patriots fan, you might be asking, like, what's going to be different about our 4-13? and 13? You know, the defense was good and has been good under Mayo, but you're probably going to have Bill O'Brien back as offensive coordinator. I want to
2: talk about that.
3: Yeah, but the other thing, too, is you're going to have the number three pick. You might get your quarterback. You might not get your quarterback. This is a tough assignment for Gerard Mayo to fill in, not only filling in for a legend, but to have be totally bereft of offensive talent.
2: I wonder how much pressure there's going to be in the building to get a quarterback. Because you're right. You're not picking top two. You're picking third. Now, that could be great. You could end up with... Drake May or, or Jaden Daniels, or you might end up with the best quarterback of the bunch if if Caleb Williams goes number one overall, which we expect him to do. I I expect him like, is there that much of a, mm. of a, you know, dire need got to get the quarterback this year? Or do you think Gerard Mayo, who's probably going to get a little time here? I, I doubt he's going to be a one and done or two or done yeah. coach. He's not going to flame out. I don't think it might be a long rebuild. huh? No? Like maybe there's a way you can kind of kick the can down the road here with a free agent or with a veteran.
3: And honestly, if you do get the rookie quarterback, what chance on earth does this rookie quarterback have? Who's he throwing to? Well, Uh,
2: you have draft picks, so you're going to have to restock the.
3: Well, that's it. But you're using your top draft pick on a quarterback and you have a lot of other needs. You know, you're you're not a young team on defense. It's a tough spot right now. So rookie quarterback comes in. You'd like to actually maybe have that guy sit for a little bit and learn but you're going to be thrown right into the fire. (laughs) Congratulations, Gerard Mayo, and I'm very sorry you're taking this job. Well,
2: but think about it. You you say, like, if you take a quarterback with pick number three, you're picking high in every round, so then you're picking 34th in round two. There's going to be good receivers there, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, and the Patriots have had an unique ability to miss all the good receivers and take average ones. It's not that easy. Uh, but by the way, I agree with what you said. You got to give this guy a four-year window here because if you're expecting him to win immediately, not going to happen.
2: Okay, so there are other huge questions surrounding the New England Patriots that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet, but the big news is Gerard Mayo is taking over for the departing Bill Belichick. So we've got more for you in just moments. Don't move. Thank you for a